0: Join me in your Bibles, please, at uh, John. We're g- continuing the Gospel of Love, uh, John chapter 10, a little more. Uh, Brad did 1 through 21 last week, if you were here. And uh, now we look at uh, a little more after that and how it applies to our lives. John chapter 10. It's great to be here. My name is Newt, K-N-U-T-E, and I met a lot of other names in this church that are different, because they're from Europe, or mine's from Sweden and, Nor- and Svenski and, and Norway. I think I mentioned once, I, at a Panera, I, I often say Lars, because they can never spell Newt. Uh, it's not like Gingrich, that's a terrible spelling. Uh, it's K-N-U-T-E. So, but not long ago, I, I thought, I like my name, why don't I say it? And I said Newt, and I went K-N-U-T-E. And five minutes later, I heard, Kunte. (laughs) (laughs) But a a, a couple of weeks after that, I I thought, here we go again. But I I said, Newt. And then she looked at me, and I spelled it K-N-U-T-E. And she typed something, and she said, I love that name. I never saw it before. And when I got the bill, it said K-E-U-N-T. So no wonder she loved my name. Anyway nice to be with you. This is one of the most basic issues. I was assigned this and I'm grateful for it. Uh, Peter said you have a choice but I want you to preach on John 10 and it's sovereignly ordained that you listen to me. (laughs) One time the second greatest coach Vince Lombardi stood up in front of the Green Bay Packers uh, first greatest coach was Newt Rockney, if you were wondering. <laughs> no prejudice. And I'm sorry if your name's Vince. But he stood up in front of the Green Bay Packers on Monday. They had lost the game on Sunday, which was unusual in those days for the Packers to lose. And he, uh, uh, they were ready to really get scolded and, and bowled out, of course. Uh, he could do it. But all he did was quietly hold up a football you know this story? And he said, gentlemen, this is a football. And he went back to basics and was trying to say, that's the only way we're going to win a game. My assigned verses, I love them, are about you guys. This is a football. This This is the basics. John chapter 10. Please join me there, and we'll look at it here at Lakeside. It's the gospel of love. Uh, That's a great word to call this. John is also, you knew this, the great theology gospel. Three of them are full of action, especially Mark. But John is, and I want to tell you why this happened, and it's full of miracles too. And the whole thing was written, do you believe this? I'm going to ask you that a couple times It was written so we might believe that he is the Christ. That means the Messiah, the Son of God. That means fully God. If you're Jewish, you know the Son of God means just like God. I used to show at the chapel pictures of our grandkids when they were babies, and uh, nobody asked, but I'm showing them again because I love them so much. They're all in college. My wife is Janine and with me. Here's the crossroads. And if you're a teenager, or the little kids left, but wherever you are in life, this is the decision every time we go to obey or not to obey. This is, this is the background. Is he who he says he is? And that's our question. So you be thinking about it, John chapter 10, and uh, you have an outline in the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow. It helps you know about when I'll be done. <laughs> I'm finished, kids, when I get right to the bottom. Here we go. Verse 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. This was right after he said he's the good shepherd. It was winter, and Peter was walking in the temple. Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon, the beautiful temple in Jerusalem. Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, about a week long, related to Feast of Lights, uh, related to the coming back someday of the king to claim his temple. Now, John says these, it was winter. I'm not going to build any life lesson from that. I just want to remind you, this is a real event. This is like it could have been on the evening news, and uh, he was right there, and he was going to build on what he had just said. Verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him. This is especially the Jewish leaders. If you're Jewish, it's a wonderful privilege. And these people had a wonderful privilege. But the leaders had a great stubbornness about accepting Jesus as possibly who he was claiming to be. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? (laughs) If you are the Christ the Messiah, tell us plainly. And we're going to look at his answer. but this is the setting uh, and this is a time of, of great uh, uh, decision making by these elders and by these Jewish leaders. Jesus Christ doesn't mean Jesus, and his last name was Christ. It's Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, anointed one. And all through the Old Testament, they had predicted that somebody would come. As early as Genesis chapter 3, the seed of a woman would someday crush the snake. As early as that, and then he'd come from the tribe of Judah, and he'd be of David, and and he'd be born in Bethlehem, and he would be killed on a cross, and he would be betrayed for 30 pieces. All those were in the Old Testament. So every Jewish scholar knew there was an anointed one, anointed by God, who was coming to this earth someday. He's been here. And a part of our central decision-making should be, what does Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one, say for our lives? But that's the background here. Pilate said in Matthew chapter 26, Are you the Son of God? That's the real question of life. Is he the Messiah, the anointed one, of all these prophecies in the Old Testament? and is he the son of god that's his personhood who he is he's exactly like god whoa now have you settled on that that's look at these verses and it might help you settle uh, that question because it's a huge one for our lives jesus is the messiah the son of god so the setting and the question is are you the messiah and by the way, we'll see in a moment that some people could take or could think about he might be the Messiah, but not the Son of God, not fully God. They would call that blasphemy. So that's the background here. In the next verses he gives these amazing promises and uh, brings up the real obstacle in the question. Verse 25. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them. Verse 25, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. There's a big theme in this whole chapter about works, what Jesus did. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe... Watch this. Because you are not of my flock. Whoa. The reason you do not believe is you're not connected with me. You've had people that you say something about even God, the creator, the obvious, the the sun, the moon, the stars, the huge solar system and universe, and they go, Bah They're not connected at times, and they would not believe because they're not connected with him. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Jesus is giving a startling rebuke to these Jewish leaders who thought they had it all together like this. And he says, the reason you don't understand is you're not connected with me. Whoa. My sheep hear my voice. Now, people talk about the voice of God all the time. Don't be scared by the way some people say it. Everybody's a little different. But whatever you decide, make sure you understand this is his voice for sure. I know people say, I got it. I don't know how many times, maybe about 120 when, as a pastor for 45 years. God told me to tell you this. This is not what he's talking about, a voice in our conscience. And I, I, I didn't give much weight to that, frankly. Uh, God speaks through his word and through his spirit in our hearts for sure. But he says here, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And you don't, you don't hear me because you're not part of the flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Is that you? Are you a follower? This whole book is not about raise your hand, true and false test. Do you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? No, it's about do you believe that and therefore follow him, trust in him, Hear his voice and obey it. That's really the test for me and you. Now he gives these great promises uh, taken by many people very personally, and they should be. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Those are gorgeous promises, and they should be embraced by every believer. They should not be embraced by somebody who has walked away from Christ. I hear the Savior's voice. He says, they hear my voice and they follow me and they are one with me like this, you guys, one with Christ and no one can pull you out of the Father's hand or out of Christ. Now, this kind of teaching, the Pharisees were not ready for. Why? They were on their own. People are on their own until they go like this with Christ. Are you on your own? You might not like some of this teaching. And he's going to tell them exactly what his teaching is. Look at uh, just a little more here. He says uh, in verse 25, I'm going to go backwards a little bit. I told you and you do not believe me. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness to me if we're still deciding about who Jesus Christ is, we should just look at what he did. Not just that it's A.D. 2018, year of our Lord. Recognize that a huge change happened, B.C. A.D. But these people, if you, if you just look at the Gospel of John, and some of them had seen some of these miracles, or maybe a few of them, all of them. John chapter 1, great theology. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Any questions? (laughs) That's how it starts. In chapter 2, he changes the water into wine. In chapter 2, he also cleans the temple with anger and drives people out and lifts up heavy tables. He is asserting true authority. And changing water into wine is just with the word of his mouth chapter 3 is the great theology as Jesus talks to Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and tells him, you have to start completely over. You must be born again. Whoa. In chapter 4 is the meeting with a woman at the well, and uh, he changes her life, and she goes back and tells people in her village, I just met a man who told me everything I did <laughs> and knows everything about me chapter four is is also the the healing of the centurion's son and some people have seen all this this was not healing like uh, sort of this is instantaneous and huge in chapter five he heals somebody at the bethesda pool they would go there all the time and pray for healing and they go back the next day and back the next day and he gives instant healing Chapter 6, he feeded, he, he, he feeded. Write that down, kids, if you're taking <laughs> notes. He feeded. Some people say fed. The new way to say it is feeded. Oh, he fed 5,000 and more at once with just a couple of loaves of bread and fish. He, 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 these are the works that he's referring to. He walks on water in chapter 5. Whoa. So he's saying to these Jews, "You really don't want to believe in me, do you? Because we're not connected." In chapters seven and eight, he gives teaching, and he says, "I am." We looked at some of that last time. "I am." Finish the sentence. No, he's not finishing. He always is. He always will be. I am. In chapter eight, he he, he gives that teaching, and in, in chapter nine, he heals a man born blind. So he's saying to them, he's not exaggerating. You saw my works. What does God have to do if you're not sure as a believer or you aren't there yet? I understand that. Welcome. But what does he have to do if God would just speak to me? What does he have to do? He sends Jesus Christ to do these miracles, to die on the cross, his greatest uh, no question, his greatest work rises from the dead. He has made the universe and we look at it and see how fantastic it is. And yet we can easily say, well, I'm really too busy. You hear his voice finally when you say, I'm willing to be connected. Are you like this? I don't mean so close. I just mean you have trusted him as Savior, invited him into your life and you hear his voice. Mark was mentioning the 30- or 60-second spots, and one of my favorite memories of doing a spot was with some Belgium horses. Do you know the Belgium horses, the giant ones? They'd be the wrestlers or or the uh, cage fighters, but they're the beautiful, huge horses, and somebody at the chapel owned these, and he said we could use his to make a TV spot. So I got behind a, a, a plow behind them, and he told me exactly what commands to say to the horses. I actually forget them now, and I knew the names of the two horses. I called their names, and I said the command, and they just stood there. <laughs> it was very clear. What does it matter what I say? And we'd start the TV shot about four times, and I'd say these words, and they wouldn't move. They wouldn't, it was like nobody was talking. I was very put down ronnie the owner of the horses he said i'm gonna have to do this for you so he stepped off stayed to the side and he said the two words that they their ears went up immediately and they did exactly what he said why because they're connected with him they knew his voice and they listened to it jesus is saying that no matter the works that i've done you've seen them all many of these had seen many of them What would it take for God, if you're not sure of this yet, what would it take for him? Rise from the dead? Uh, Create a 93 billion wide light years of 93 billion traveling a universe like that? Would that convince you that he's powerful or that he's God? These people just don't want to listen. So the issue is, is Jesus the Messiah and... Is he the son of God? This is a football. If he's the Messiah, he fulfills all those promises in the Old Testament, and he's going to do a whole lot with his kingdom in the future. If he's the son of God, he's able to do every bit of that and to change our lives and our destiny and walk with us through actually death itself. That's the question. And they're blocked from this. They don't want to believe. And the reason they're blocked is they are not connected with him, which comes first. Well, the connection is very early on. We'll say, I'm willing to believe. Otherwise, there's this blockage. And we all know that. If there's anything we know, we're sinners. Nobody had to go to kindergarten to learn to lie. Nobody ever had to be taught to say mine, our first four-letter word. Uh, And these Jews, in spite of their amazing abilities, some of them, they said, had much of the Old Testament memorized, but they don't get who Jesus is. Do you? The next part of it is, is, is he talks about he's one with the Father. He's the Messiah, but he's also part of the Trinity. Now, let me explain the Trinity before we go on. Well, first, I'll explain gravity. (laughs) No, first, let me tell you how life comes about and how we're born. Now, I'd first like to explain the universe, how 93 billion, billion light years, 186,000 miles a second, and God made that with a flick of his wrist. Uh, After I do that, I would like to explain love. People who say they don't understand God go through all of life dealing with so many mysteries. Nobody, even in science, can really explain gravity to say something we deal with every day, or even love, or life itself. What, how does something leave the body and we're dead? The mysteries of life are there, and so is the Trinity. I learned it in, in, in seminary. Holy, true love righteous faithful merciful these are the attributes of god holy true love righteous faithful merciful because he is holy he's always true Uh, because uh, he's always righteous because he's true he's always faithful because he's love he's always merciful but How can you put your arms around? He's three persons. God is three persons in one. All three persons are God. All three persons are individuals. And there's one God. Any questions now that I've explained it? (laughs) Now, Jesus is going to kind of refer to that when he says, I and the Father are one. The Trinity is one. I and the Holy Spirit are one. He could have said that. So he gets them on this. He's not trying to get them, but now they really want to drop out. Let's uh, let's read it. Verse 31. Je- he just said, "I and the Father are one." The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, "I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me?" Again, he wants us to believe him because of his claims, but if we can't handle that, believe him because of his works. Do you believe him because of his works and his name and his salvation? Verse 33, the Jews answered him, it is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. That's right, the Jews couldn't handle it. You're just a man, even if he's the Messiah, and they're not convinced of that, but even if he were, they thought the Messiah was just a man, and now he's very clearly claiming to be the Son of God. By the way, his claims are huge. Um, Last week, Brad helped us look at the, the Good Shepherd. He said, I am the Good Shepherd. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Good shepherd is relationship, after we believe, but way, truth, and life, he's salvation. Uh, He also says he is God, but he said, I and the Father are one right here. We're we're the same. And their view of Messiah was maybe a very special person, but not fully God. I quoted these verses. Uh, Look how strong they are. In the beginning, that refers to Genesis. At the very start, (laughs) whoa, at the very beginning of everything, was the Word. That's the Son, actually, we find out later, S-O-N. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Son is fully God. This is so ABC's basic, but we register everything on this, our hope for the future. Two, he was in the beginning with God. Yeah. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So this is huge. And Jesus would die because of this giant question: Are you the Son of God? Yes. Kill him. And it's very connected with our death. Are you a believer that he is the Son of God? Are you connected with him and you hear his voice in the scriptures and by his spirit you follow him? You're ready for death. You're also ready for tomorrow in life. So here are some of the basics of life. And the giant question is, is he, is he really and when you doubt or when you don't like what he just allowed in this life and all of us live there, you've got to just say, I'm going to believe because he's the son of God. It's powerful. 34, Jesus answered them. And this is a strange passage. I'm going to do it way too fast. Is it not written in your law, at Psalm 82, I said you are God's, small g, that's really important. He said of some judges, the psalmist said it, that they're like gods. And it just means they have decision-making ability and power, not capital G. So you can be a man, a judge, and a god, small g, at the same time. They got it. I didn't get it until I read it 20 times and then read help on it. But he's saying, I can be a man this kind of man fully man but also capital G God at the same time in fact that's the message of the bible so he he just calls them to that and then he says if he called them gods verse 35 to whom the word of god came and scripture can't be broken it's in Psalm 82 Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you're blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. He said, I can be man and God, capital G, capital M. Jesus was called the Son of Man. When the the evil ruler looked into the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he saw one like unto the Son of Man. Daniel says at the end of his book of prophecy that the kingdom comes and there was one who had the appearance of a man. It's Jesus. He's Lord. He's a human being who's also fully God. And we're called to believe. Major Ian Thomas, who founded the Torchbearers in England, was known for a, an interesting little saying. I have to read it. Jesus Christ, who was never, ever less than God, came to this earth and walked on it as though he were never, ever less more than man. And most of the time, he was a, just did what men can do. How unlike man, who was never, ever more than man or woman, yet he struts around this old globe as though he were never, ever less than God. And if you, if you can't take the evidence and creation and crucifixion and resurrection as basic for your life, you can't figure out all the little questions and the paragraphs and the italics and the parentheses, but you can figure this out. He is eternal Son of God. He is the Lord and the Savior of all who believe. And they hear his voice so in this skirmish with the strong Pharisees, he's helping them see you've got to decide. Brad last week quoted C.S. Lewis' famous quote, either he's a liar and a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg or he's the very son of God. No, no son of God, no great moral teacher even goes around saying, I am the son of God uh, and, and does these miracles. We've got to decide. And as we decide, we love him and we follow him and we hear his voice. He says in verse 37, if I'm not doing the works of my father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. And they sought to arrest him. He's the maker of all that is, and he calls us to believe. And he calls us to believe because, because it's, it seems so shallow to look at the skies or look at our human being hands and our abilities to think and say, yep, just happened. The two things they're not allowed to teach in many schools are the two great works of God, creation and salvation. But you can talk about everything else. Creation, we're here because he loves us and wants to know us. Salvation, because we all went astray, he wants to bring us back and help us live like this. That's first grade theology. Is that you? He's the eternal Messiah, the eternal Son of God. He's going to be Lord of the earth someday. When God said about the Red Sea and splitting them, the seas split as soon as they started across because he says so. He's the Son of God. He's the eternal Messiah. Things happen when he says so. That... Reminder on the Sea of Galilee when the storm was there, Jesus said two words to stop the storm. Stop peace because he says it, it is so. That's the Lord we follow. In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth by the word of his power, it says in the Bible. He says it. If God says something from then on, it is so. Not because a committee rushes in because he's the Lord of the universe. He's the commander of science and all that is. And if he says that by the cross and the resurrection of the Messiah and the Son of God at once that we're forgiven when we believe him like this, it is so. We should live with that confidence. Is that you... This is so basic for my life, and it's so much for all of us. The next few verses give this giant conclusion, which is gorgeous, just a reminder. Look at it, 40. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about the man was true. And many believed in him there. John had said, you know, I'm not worthy to shine his shoes. Okay, he said, buckle his sandals. John had said, I baptize you with water, but there comes one after me who will baptize with his spirit. He'll change your life. And that's Jesus. Jesus. And the people remembered that, and then they saw what Jesus had done, and they realized it's true, we're not worthy to say his name or touch his garment or or be healed by him or have eternal life, but by grace, he gives us that. And it says, and many believed. A believer looks like this. An unbeliever looks like this. When you believe in Christ, you don't just say, oh yeah, big, important things happen. No, I trust him as my savior. One time we took a survey at the chapel and a lot of people responded. And on the answer to the question, Are you sure you believe, or how do you know you're in Christ? They gave so many different answers, and it would happen in any church, too. But it provoked me, I think, to good works, and, and to never take for granted that we know what it is we're called to believe. And I've often used some verses from Romans 3, and I beg you just to take it home and look at those verses for your life. It, it, after just saying Paul in Romans 3:20 he says, "By the keeping of the law, no flesh will ever be justified. No one will ever go to heaven by keeping the law." You know that 75 percent of Americans say they'll go to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments." Seventy-five percent of those who thought they would go to heaven said, "By keeping the Ten Commandments. Hello, no one ever kept the Ten Commandments. Are they kidding? I don't think they really go home at night and saying, well, I kept them today. I think they just made it up on the spot because everybody has to have some excuse or something to hang on to. In Romans 3, right after saying no one will ever go to heaven by keeping the commandments, he gives a paragraph and he explains salvation with, I think, three arrows, no, four. Let me just tell them to you. When Jesus died on the cross, as far as God the Father, he atoned for our sins. It says in these verses, God presented him as as an atonement for our sins. In the Old Testament, it was, put your hand on the head of the lamb, son. Put your hand on the head of the lamb. Now, here at Lakeside and at the chapel and in our personal lives and everywhere, every church in this city, we're called to believe and put our hand on the head of the lamb, Jesus Christ. Trust him that he took all our sins and paid for them. The second part of the triangle, it's right in those verses. I I beg you to look it up sometime. It says, and he justified us through faith in Christ to all who believe. There's no distinction. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by, uh, by his grace as a gift. Justification means to satisfy and to declare righteous. Atonement satisfies the laws of God. They're paid for. If he's the son of God, when he dies for your sins, he can pay the total price for your sins. If he's the son of God, he can justify you. Actually, God the Father credits all the righteousness of Jesus Christ to the name, well, you say your name. I would say to my name, Newt Larson. So that when I believe in Christ, that he died to, to atone for all my sins, his righteousness now covers me, and I am seen by God in Christ Jesus. Whoa. Not seen as Newt the struggler and still a sinner at times, and, oh, come on, Newt. No, covered by the righteousness of christ justification is the act by which a holy god declares perfectly righteous in his sight those who are covered by jesus christ who is perfectly righteous you have to go you have to be perfect to go to heaven and perfect as a gift the righteousness of christ do you believe that do you rest in that This is what we're called to believe, not Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Oh, yes, that's true, but he died to pay for all our sins. He declares us righteous. Jesus goes on to say, through the redemption, Paul goes on to say, through the redemption, that means because he's the perfect son of God, Messiah, he can redeem us or set us free from the power of sin as we obey him and abide in him, and someday, you know this, from the presence of sin, woe. Does this sound like you? You don't just say, I, I, I believe in Jesus. True or false? Yes. He was here. He no, I believe that when he died on the cross, he paid for all my sins they're atoned for. God is satisfied. All the law has been kept through Jesus Christ. And therefore, when he declares the righteousness of Christ to cover me, I'm in. And I hear his voice. And I will live forever, redeemed. And four times, if you read this this passage today, after the Browns play and win, four times it says we believe or we have faith and we rest in him. So this appearance by Jesus in this great debate, who is he, and is he the Messiah, and is he the Son of God, I think it's settled. He, He proved by his works who he is, and soon he would die because he claimed this, and rise from the dead because he's powerful, and he's the eternal Son of God. And here's what we're called to believe. He's the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God. Gentlemen, ladies, this is a football. Jesus Christ is the eternal Messiah promised from Genesis on. He's the eternal Son of God who actually made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them and us. He's the eternal Messiah who will come back someday for his kingdom, actually to rule on the earth and show us how it was meant to be and then we will reign with him forever and ever. Do you believe that? And do you rest in him and serve him? One time after, I think, what was one of my hardest days at the, at the chapel downtown, probably partly my fault, partly a tough issue on staff with a, a man who had been my good friend and still is, but I was driving home and feeling really depressed and and sad about it. Why do I have to? Why this kind of a wait and to make this kind of a decision? So I didn't have the radio on or anything, and I drove the long way through uh, Sand Run Parkway, which is still there, and you cross that little creek. And just as I began to cross the creek, I thought I gotta quit my pity party and being depressed and get alive i've got we've got two girls and i've got a nice wife and so i just decided i'd quit crying and moaning and i turned on the radio and the first words were there is a redeemer jesus god's own son precious lamb of god messiah My despondency turned to joy, even though there's hard decisions in life. He is a redeemer. He changes our lives. God's own son, sung by a man who was then dead, Keith Green, in a horrible plane accident, way too young. But there still is a redeemer. And I say to you, the message of the Bible is not, cheer up, things are going to get better. No, it is not, everything's going to turn, it is, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God who lives forever, who made the universe and loves you with all his heart and can change your life so you don't live alone. You live this way. Jesus, God's own Son. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the incidents here and the truth of jesus as we pray we give you thanks that he is the eternal lord creator of the universe and that he made all that is as you pray give thanks just not out loud just this is a good time to worship and say i believe this i rest in this i can add nothing to it i follow jesus christ as savior and lord and no one will ever pluck me out of his hand. And if you're not sure of that, won't you say, God, help me know if this is true and if I can trust him as my Savior and Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for your Son, eternal Lord and Master, Savior of all who believe, and coming King, Messiah. And we pray in his name. amen. we're going to sing that as a response. I hope you'll say it from your heart or sing it from your heart as a as a thankful prayer. Jesus uh, the redeemer, my redeemer. And